Susan mentioned she was quite impressed by the uh, ability of some of the people sending cards say nice things, and uh, those are really nice sentiments. It's a real effort to put together something like that, even a sentence or two, even if it's just a birthday. How do you say something nice <laughs> for a birthday, let alone, I'm sorry you're dying? <laughs> yeah, better you than me. Eh? <laughs> Uh, you're going to die. Um. I'm Deborah Jarvis, and you're listening to The Final Say, Conversations with People Facing Death. I've been a hospital and a hospice chaplain for over 30 years, and so I've had lots of these amazing conversations. And now you get to listen in. Because over the course of this podcast... I'll talk with people who are facing their own deaths. And, you know, not in that abstract way that we all are facing our death. These are people who know they have only months or maybe even weeks left to live. We'll have a conversation about the past, their present experience, and what, if anything, lies ahead. I've known Hal Pelton for 16 years. He was the father of my friend Susan. I just loved him because you could sidle up to him at a party and right away have a down-to-earth conversation. His college students loved him, too. He helped them see familiar things in a new way. Actually, one of the most common comments I had from former geology students was that it made them appreciate scenery more, why there were mountains and streams and rivers and, uh, and earthquakes and so forth. He stayed close to his family and his old friends. For, for quite a few years after I retired, I would get together with uh, people from Seattle Central uh, Friday mornings for breakfast, the uh, Romeos, retired old men eating out. <laughs> I have a, uh, an outstandingly uh, good support group. As you say, loving family, all the cliche kinds of things, but it's true. Hal was a hardworking volunteer with the Washington Trails Association. So he was out there clearing brush and moving rocks and digging out trails, but he was always super modest about it. I think the uh, Washington Trails people uh, kind of like to have me around and unspoken. If he can do it, anybody can do it. His 90th birthday party was crammed with people. His two daughters made about 20 different kinds of bunt cakes, each one in a different bunt pan. Yeah, seriously, each one in a different pan. They wanted this party to be special, and it was. A few months later, Hal was diagnosed with stage four metastatic liver cancer. I knew everyone would be heartbroken. And I just knew there'd be a line out the door of people wanting to see Hal for one last visit. And I was sure that Hal would want to say goodbye to each one of them. I've tended to put off having people visit. I can't help feeling that uh, everybody who comes is sort of coming to say goodbye. Don't really need that. Wait, what? And I've been pretty good about avoiding unpleasantries and, and unpleasant things in my life. I don't really feel obliged mm-hmm. to... Uh, other people. I don't think that whatever good I could do them, and that would not be certain at all. (laughs) Not worth the effort. (laughs) 
So here's the question I mentioned earlier. Who gets the final say on final visits? I mean, you'd think it'd be the dying person, right? But what if there's someone who needs just one last visit? That's the question. And how did Hal come to this decision? I feel a visit. I think I may just go away feeling sad. Yeah, and that's okay. Well, it's okay, except um, why bring that on them when when they could just uh, uh, wait until it's over and say, oh, I wish I'd visited him. Uh, maybe it's just as well he didn't let me come. And uh, Oh, Hal. So you're saying better to have not loved at all than lost. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I'm saying better to be with you and feel the grief than not to have visited you at all. Do you think that it's just like a primal need in people to say goodbye or have one last visit if they know that somebody's really sick and is going to die soon? Um, No. (laughs) You're, You're... Touching just a little bit on the spiritual aspects there. <laughs> well, no, I think this is the like the existential aspect. Here's what I think is hard for most people about visiting somebody they know is terminally ill. Your death throws my inevitable death in my face. Oh. So what about this house? So you were talking about how you've effectively managed to avoid unpleasant things in life. Do you think it's possible to just kind of hold both those things? The unpleasant thing being, okay, you're going to die from this. But the pleasant thing being, here's a person visiting you that loves you, that you're having this great interaction. And at the same time, we know that you're going to die from this. I guess in a way, I've considered it too hard and a number of people have... uh expressed a wish mm-hmm. to visit. Mm-hmm. And uh, to that extent, I suppose it's my selfishness that... Uh, Is it that you want to avoid the pain of that or the grief of that or thinking about your death or all of uh, Yes, yes, all of the above. Um, anybody who comes to visit clearly is coming in a pretty straightforward sense for the last time. But... Uh, I'm not sure I need a load of that dumped on me. Uh, A load of goodbyes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Okay, so he's he's right. It's hard to hold those two things together. Can you hold joy and grief at the same time? So I decided to ask him a slightly easier question. What do you think? How, How does it work? How do you get out of your body? I mean... I don't know, but I'm wondering if you've thought about that or... Well, the science kind of relieves me of worrying about that because there is nothing there uh, between geology and... uh, I taught a few environment courses. Mm -hmm. And one of the obvious things is that uh, there's uh, continual and very effective recycling of things. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, I suppose. And there's a finite amount of material. You can't be stashing it away someplace and not use up the available materials. You'd have to have 
two almost totally separated parts of your brain to accept traditional religion versus uh, lack of religion. What are you choosing to do with your body after you die? Cremation, burial? Cremation, Cremation. Yes. Uh, partly to, uh, <laughs> partly I suppose to take up, uh, avoid taking up space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are we going to do with your ashes? Uh, I hadn't gotten specific about that. What I've done with uh, Sharon's ashes is uh, take them to uh, places we visited here in the Cascades, in the uh, Olympics, uh, Ocean, uh, Alps, uh, Himalayas. The uh, porter who was along with me chose to kind of enter into the spirit in a sense. And what he did was give up smoking. <laughs> he uh, lit a cigarette, puffed it a few times, enough to doubt on a cairn we had built, took the last couple of cigarettes in his package, stuffed them into a crevice in the cairn and said, uh, I quit smoking. Wow. Uh, it may have lasted a day, it may have lasted a week, but <laughs> at least he, in a sense, entered into the to the spirit of uh, leaving something behind. That could be a tradition. People, you know, quit their at least one bad habit at every funeral or burial. <laughs> Holy cow, we've been talking about really kind of painful things, right? How has it been for you to just sit here and talk about all this stuff? I can't think of anybody I'd rather sit and, and uh, talk to about this sort of thing. I would have real difficulty doing it with uh, family. Again, my avoidance of unpleasant things. Uh, <laughs> so I dump the unpleasantness on you. But but yeah, no, that's I, your profession. I that's your job. That's your... <laughs> and, and here's that's right. the thing. I don't find it unpleasant. Uh, it doesn't feel unpleasant to me. I, I just think, wow, here's a guy who's real and authentic and at least sitting here in your daughter's closet, <laughs> <laughs> willing to <Nope>. explore <laughs> really hard subjects after telling me a couple times, I avoid unpleasantries. <laughs> Okay, here's what you need to know for this last bit of conversation. Every year at Christmas, Hal sent out an eight and a half by 11 print with 12 stunning photos on it, one for each month. And, you know, they were pictures of places he visited and things he did and people he met. And we always look forward to getting it. And the other thing you should know is that even though Hal was very clear, he did not want any final farewells. I did slip in my own goodbye and thank you. Gosh, I've just loved having you around. You've been a role model <laughs> for my husband and I. When we get your calendar every year, you know, your Christmas card with all the months, we say, we want to be like Hal and have something going on every month where we're doing something we enjoy and something that gives back to the community. So... Well, in a way, that's been a kind of an ego trip. <laughs> oh, I haven't done anything interesting this month, so I've got to get out there and do something. Uh, that's kind of fun, a fun thing to do. And, uh, well, if it has inspired anybody to go do something interesting, uh, 
or fun or useful or helpful. That's one of the things I love about you, that you're just out there living your life and that you walk with such joy. Yeah. There was one last Christmas card. Hal put it together just before he died, and his family finished it up and sent it out. It has the 12 squares on it, and there's Hal's photos from January to July. And the final photo in August is his son John holding this beautiful wooden box he's made, which contains the mingled ashes of Hal and his wife Sharon. And the rest of the months? September, October, November, December, they are blank, just as Hal would have wanted. Here's my final say for today. What if you want to visit? My rule is you can ask twice. If they still don't want to visit after you've asked twice, then you're done. Write a really nice card. What do you write in those cards to people who are not going to get well? Well, the first thing is don't write get well soon because that's not going to happen. The most important thing is to let someone know that they're not forgotten. So write something simple like, I was just thinking about you and how much you like, and then fill in the blank. Or start a sentence with, you're one of my favorite people because and then finish the sentence. Be sincere, be positive, be uplifting, be short and sweet. People also like to hear that they've made a difference in the world, you know, even a small difference. And that's why I told Hal that he was a role model for my husband and me. So if you write something like, you showed me the importance of, or without you, I never would have known If you write something like that, then they'll know they've made a difference. I'm Deborah Jarvis, and thanks for listening to The Final Say.